Welcome to the Coaches Chat. I'm John Serenitas, and this week I'm joined by Zach Patello, the new head football coach at Whitman Hanson High School. Coach Patello, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you uh, for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you for taking the time, Coach. I really appreciate it as well. Obviously, uh, it's an exciting time for you uh, professionally. You uh, were recently appointed the head football coach at Whitman Hanson High School. Talk a little bit about how you're feeling right now. Obviously, you're taking over a program that has a rich history and tradition. Talk a little bit about getting this opportunity and what it means to you. Uh, I, I honestly, I couldn't be more excited to be joining the Whitman Hanson community. Uh, I'm lucky enough, I, I've been appointed the head football coach, but I'll also be joining the district as a special ed teacher as well, um, which is what I've been doing for the past few years professionally. And I'm, I'm really excited for the opportunity to combine teaching and coaching in the same district. Uh, and really, it's been it's been nothing but positive since since coming over there. Um, the whole interview process itself was an awesome one, getting to meet the people that were involved and the athletic director and the building principal. And it, it seemed just like a, a welcoming place that was looking for some new energy and, you know, a new kind of influx of ideas and people to kind of get things to the level they want to be at. And uh, every single person in the community has welcomed me with open arms and texts and phone calls of what do you need not you know not looking for anything in return which has been awesome so it's been nothing but great thus far i couldn't be more excited to be there yeah and i i've been there having been a head coach and and that first few months is a whirlwind when you get a job is you you take the job there's that excitement uh, of you getting the opportunity but then you got to go right to work there's really no time for you to relish in it you've got to you've got to put a staff together you've got to set up meetings with the players and and um, administrators and boosters and parents and so there's so much that needs to be done and and it's magnified in an off season like this, which is a short off season mm-hmm. going from the fall two season to a regular fall season. You obviously don't have a lot of time to to soak it all in while doing all of the things that you need to do. Talk a little bit about how that's gone for you. How has it been for you since you've taken the job? How, be, how have you been able to manage all the things that I just mentioned? Uh, you are right on with describing it as a whirlwind. It definitely has been uh, absolute craziness, especially with COVID and all the protocols like that kind of shifting and ending in the time period that I was hired. So I know we had to keep moving our kickoff meeting back because the Women Hanson Spring Sports teams were doing so well in the Patriot Cup. They had more and more games, which was awesome, but kind of like, oh, man, like we want to do this and we want to get rolling. Right. Um, so – it definitely has been crazy and finishing up where I'm teaching right now and uh, ending our season at Old Colony, which went a little bit later because the Volk School started later. There was just, you know, it seemed like every day I had to like sit down and map out my calendar and sync it up with my wife's calendar because she's coaching softball. Um, so we were go, go, go. But I, I feel like now the school's ended and the summer started, we're in a, in a good place in terms of staff and our to-do list that we need to kind of wrap, you know, get done. But we met with the parents, we met with the team. We've started summer strength and conditioning. Our coaching staff is almost 100% complete. So I have you know those things I feel some relief with. And I, I really am very thankful for Bob Rogers, our AD, because he's helped me through that. He's our, the basketball coach at the school as well. So he's got plenty of head coaching experience, and he's been a great person to kind of lean on as I transition from assistant to head coach. Yeah, and that relationship, I can, I can tell you from experience, my friend, that relationship is going to be your number one relationship, your relationship with your mm-hmm. AD, I equate that to coaching at the collegiate level, the, the, the coach, AD, coach, 
president relationship or in the NFL coach owner relationship. It's on par, in my opinion. It's going to be yeah. your most important relationship, and and you're in this together, right? And, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, if you approach it with that mentality, that hey, you know what, you know, my athletic director is going to be not only someone that's quote my boss, but is going to be a sounding board, is someone I can run things by, is going to be mm -hmm. an ally. And I think that that's the most important part of this. And that gets lost sometimes in this process where coaches are so hell-bent on wanting to do it their way that they forget that that isn't just the person that hired you or that spearheaded the committee that hired you. Now they're going to step away and it's your show. You've got to realize that you know what? They're lockstep with you in this in, in in this process, and if and if you don't have that open line of communication, you're not with them. I've seen a lot of coaches, and and I'm sure you have as well, that have ultimately failed because they didn't understand the value of that relationship. It's not just mm -hmm. you know, God forbid, a kid gets in trouble and you've got to call the AD at eleven o'clock on a Thursday night. It's a lot more than that. I think that sometimes coaches fail to realize that. Yeah, that's it's so true. And I think in a sport like football, I mean, what's always drawn me to football is the team element of football. I mean, a play doesn't work if all 11 guys don't do it right. And I approach all my professional relationships in the same way. You know, the athletic director is going to have an expertise that I maybe never will have. And to ignore that or tune that out, I think would be silly. I think, you know, with my coaching staff, with the people I teach with, I think everyone brings something to the table. And to access that and get the best from every single person is how you become successful both individually and as a team. So, Coach, talk a little bit about your path to Whitman Hanson. How did you get to this point? How did you get into football? Uh, how did you end up coaching at the places that you did? And how did you ultimately get to a place where you felt, you know what, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to be a head football coach. Yeah, so my coaching journey kind of started in a, a strange way. I played at Middleborough High School, um, uh, and it was before – kind of the era they're in now with Coach King when they're rolling pretty well right now. Um, and he's doing a great job. But before that, we were we were bad. We were, we were really bad. And uh, my junior and senior year, we didn't have an aligned coach. So being the only upperclassman in the group that had playing experience at the varsity level, my head coach just had me run indie time um, without a coach there. So I kind of took on the role of like a player coach um, and doing drills and things like that and kind of working on what we needed to work on and kind of helping kids with what little knowledge I had at the time. And I just, I loved that aspect of it. I mean, I loved playing. It was a lot of fun, but I really loved that kind of seeing the improvement and the chess match and the where can we get an advantage because we're small and, you know, where can we get an advantage because they're a little faster. Uh, I really enjoyed that. So I went off to college. I did one year of like trying to be just a student and, you know, for all the student athletes listening, thinking they're going to do better in school because of that. You're not, you, the structure is huge. Uh, I missed that. So uh, I transferred schools. And I ended up at Framingham State, and I was like, you know what? I just want to, I just want to coach high school football. That was so much fun. I want to see what it's like doing that full stop. And uh, I was able to latch on as a volunteer with Andrew McKay and Ashland, and uh, stayed on there for five years. The group of guys was fantastic. They were huge in terms of like mentoring me professionally, helping me get licensed to be a teacher and get into schools or paraprofessional. Uh, they really value educational athletics up there, which is something I kind of took from them, seeing the importance of teachers and coaches doing having both roles within a district uh, and started off at the freshman level and just slowly kind of worked my way up through the program, head coach of the JV and ended up as the varsity offensive and defensive line coach with them for, I was there for five total years. And then uh, it was time to kind of graduate onto a teaching job. And uh, my wife and I both got jobs in New Bedford. 
So we headed down to the South Coast, and that's where I, similar thing, I sent out a bunch of emails, and Old Colony Voc was where they had an opening, and I headed over there, and was there for four years, and coaching at the vocational level was invaluable to helping me develop as a coach, because you still see Wing T down there, and, and Bone, and Veer, oh, yeah. and yeah. all stuff that I wasn't seeing in the Tri-Valley. I was, you know, all spread all the time. And uh, it was awesome to, to learn from some older, more experienced coaches and how you stop those, how you read those. Um, I got a lot from those guys kind of showing me the years of experience they had. And then, uh, Coach Doby Franklin was our defensive coordinator. He had, like, binders and books he'd pull out of, oh, I remember when this came out. Like, I got the answer to it. Like, I, I, I know I know what to do. So uh, it was great coaching there. I loved it. And uh, really, to end up at Whitman Hanson, I wasn't, like, actively looking for a head job. I wasn't, you know, throwing my resume at everything that was open. But when I saw the posting, uh, Mr. Rogers had posted it as they're looking for someone with a background in teaching. Um, they had teaching positions open in the school. And one of the, the, the biggest thing for me was they were looking for references from student athletes. And for me, coaching is all about the kids. It's all about the relationships you develop with players. I mean, you can go 0-11. And and if you have that kind of family vibe and those strong relationships, it's all worth it. Because, you know, coming back 10 years later, that's what the kids are going to really remember. And seeing how student-focused they were and how educationally driven they were, I, I knew that could be a perfect fit for me, um, both as a teacher and a coach. And uh, went through the process. It was it was hugely positive. They were all, you know, very much on board with, you know, giving the kids the opportunities that they need and the support that they need and kind of shared my vision for the program. And uh, it just was a perfect fit. And uh, I, I'm very lucky and fortunate to be there and very excited to, to get going. Now, when you were in Ashland, did you work with Ryan Quigley at all? Uh, yeah, he was the first AD. Um, he he hired me. I was uh, yeah. He, he helped me through some tricky times as a as a middle school baseball coach, actually. Yeah, he's uh, Quigs is the best. He's the uh, wellness uh, department chair at Norwood, where I'm at. And, uh, he's, oh, he's that's tremendous. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. he's tremendous. He's 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 a he's a good man, a very good man. And obviously, is. you know, I think that that's so important when you talk about the relationships piece and you were able to, to go into a program like Ashland to start your coaching career where coach McKay kind of sort of built that from the ground up. I mean, that program was not in a good place when he took over, obviously being an Ashland guy, he understood the lay of the land there and he built that program and got it to a place where they won a Super Bowl in 2019. Being a part of that process, you're not necessarily walking into that type of situation. Obviously Whitman Hanson's had some success under Coach Driscoll, but what is your philosophy in terms of building the program to what you want it to be? Because ultimately, everybody wants to win. We know that, and everybody wants to win league titles, playoff games, state titles. But you, everybody does it a certain way, right? So for you, what, what is your philosophy in terms of building the Whitman Hanson football program to your liking, to your image? At the core for me, uh, my kind of like guiding sort of vision is if we develop the student athletes in our program as people, students and players in that order, we're going to be in good shape. I think if we have great kids who are working their tails off in the classroom, the football stuff is going to come much easier because you're dealing with a high character group. You don't have any grades issues. You don't have any school issues. And the students are set up for when they graduate to be able to do whatever it is that they want to do. Uh, and I think when you do those things and you kind of create that culture of success and positivity and, you know, we're here for you beyond August to Thanksgiving, we're here for you year round. And we want to be those, those adults that you can kind of lean on whenever you need it, whether it be 
a football question or a, a ride to work or anything like that. Uh, giving kids that adult, that point person to kind of help them develop in all facets of their life. I think that helps you. I think when you're building high school football program, especially in the public schools, if you can raise the floor and kind of settle yourself in that we're always competitive, we're going to compete. And that's been my big thing at Summer Lift thus far is compete, compete, compete. Everything we do is competition-based. Um, if we're ready to compete and we've lifted that kind of floor, then the years that you have the guys, the years you have the talent, you know, those are the years that you can really take it to the next level like Coach McKay did with that Super Bowl team. You know, they were competitive in years they probably shouldn't have been because, the, you know, the, the culture and the floor of that program was so high that those kids always competed. And then, you know, they had a great group of kids and great group of coaches that were all bought in and they had one heck of a season that year. Um, but then he went right back to a league title the next year. You know, it wasn't those ebbs and flows of we're 11 and 0, then we're 2 and 9, and then we're, you know, 8 and 3, and we're 1 and 10. Now, building that consistency so kids can see what winning looks like. And I think that starts with good people, good students, and then good football players. You know, earlier you mentioned assembling a staff and that your staff is nearly complete. How important is it for your staff? to be on the same page with you. It's let's face it. It's hard to find coaches nowadays. And yeah. oftentimes, depending on how many years you've been coaching, everybody builds relationships. When it comes to building a staff, you tend to lean on your relationships, your contacts, and, and you try to see if you can add people, you know, that you're comfortable with that are going to see eye to eye with you philosophically. When building a staff, how important do you think it's to find those types of guys, find guys that you know what, see your vision and are willing to share your vision. I, that's the most important thing for me. When I was interviewing candidates for all our positions, I didn't talk about positions or experience until the very end. Because for me, I wanted a group of guys who were fully committed to helping develop our, our kids on and off the field and, and being positive role models and you know, showing them what family really meant and what mentorship meant and what it was like, you know, what it meant to be a dad and a teacher and a parent and all those things first, um, because I want that vision, that culture to be shared, because it's a heck of a lot easier to teach someone how to run a running back drill than it is to teach someone how to care about a kid in the off season, you know, and that was the driving force between what I was looking to do. And I really wanted to get a, a diverse staff in both background and uh, experience. I think there's value in having coaches that come from different places. So every kid on the team can find that coach that they can go to when they need something. I've been teaching and coaching long enough to know that I'm not going to be that guy for every player. And I've had many kids that, you know, I was not the one they looked to when they needed advice. And that was okay because they had someone else they could. Yeah, and to, to that point, right, like now being the head coach, you know how it is. It's good cop, bad cop. When you're the right. head coach, you're kind of the, the last – the last person in many ways kids are going to come to, right? You're, you're mm -hmm. kind of the, 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 the end of the road, if you will. And so, yeah, I did. one of the things I realized was your relationship changes dramatically with kids mm -hmm. once you're a head coach. It's not what it was when you were either a coordinator or a position coach. It's so much different once you're the top guy. Exactly. And that's why I wanted to make sure we had all the guys we were bringing on staff or keeping on staff were – committed to that idea of, you know, we're going to be there for these kids. We're going to help them through. We're going to guide them through. We're going to love them up. We're going to be positive, get on when we need to, but then get right back over and, you know, let them know that it's because we care, not because we're, you know, trying to ruin their lives or anything. So that was the driving force for me. And I was fortunate enough to retain a group of coaches. Our freshman coaches are both teachers in the building. They're coming back and I'm so excited to have them. Uh, one of the varsity assistants is coming back to join us. 
And then I'm bringing on two guys, one of who I just met through the interview process and one of who I coached against in the Mayflower League many times and had a lot of respect for what he was doing at his program and couldn't be more excited to have him come over. He's actually an alum of Whitman Hanson, so it's a perfect fit. You know, you mentioned that you're going to be in the building as a special ed teacher. And and when you talk to coaches, some of them will tell you that there's a lot of value in that. And then there are those that believe that it doesn't really matter whether you're there or not. If you're there enough and you know how to build a program, you know how to win, you know how to relate to kids, you're going to be fine. I'm a firm believer that if you want to win, it's important that, to me anyway, it's important that if you want to build a winning program, you're in the building. Mm -hmm. And so... For you, how important was that? How important was it for you to be in the building? It, it was absolutely critical. I don't think I would have applied to a position where that wasn't a possibility on the table because just seeing the amount of fires that can get put out during the school day if you're in that building or can be avoided altogether. When you're in there and you're seeing the kids and you know their teachers and you know the administration at that you know other kind of level, uh, seeing Coach Mendes at O'Colony, he worked in the special ed department and his office was like right on Main Street, right before the main office. And he, he was able to get so much stuff, to, stuff taken care of with students and grades and discipline before we even got out there that I can't imagine walking on and, you know, having the athletic director or an assistant principal waiting for me with a folder full of, you know, this is what happened right. today. <laughs> Good luck. Go get practice going. Uh, so that was huge for me. And, and I want to be someone who is, I think, so much of coaching is just being there. And I want to be there beyond, you know, the in-season stuff. I want to be there every single day in the building, letting kids stay after in my classroom if they need help, talking to teachers, developing relationships with other students in the building. And I think it's a great way to recruit the hallways and, you know, engage new kids who maybe wouldn't have played football and kind of get kids excited to come to the games too and kind of build that community aspect that football can make happen. Uh, so there's definitely, it was almost like it was a, a must for me to, to do a, to take the leap to head coach to be in the building as well. And we've talked a lot about kids. And oftentimes nowadays, you'll hear people talk about how much kids have changed, right? And I've asked this question to every coach who's been on this show. In your opinion, have kids changed? Have kids changed as much as people think they've changed? Or is it the world we're living in has changed? I definitely think kids have changed. And I, and I honestly, I hope that kids have changed because I do think that the world that they're growing up in is way different than myself or yourself. I think that's the beauty of kind of the, the world that we live in is that we develop and we change and we grow. And I think the coaches that capitalize on those things and make it into a, a, a positive rather than a negative can be hugely successful. I, I was listening to a podcast this morning uh, between two educators and one of them said, you know, as tough as we might have had it growing up with no technology and this, that, or the other thing, I wouldn't want to grow up today. And I don't think I would either. There's so many distractions and new things and you can't turn it off anymore. It's always there when you get home. And to navigate that at 15, 16 years old while you're trying to figure out who you even are, I can't even imagine that. So I, I hope that they've changed. I hope that times have changed and that they've kind of taken the good aspects of where we're at and, and run with them. And Hopefully, as coaches and teachers, we can filter out all that extra noise that they're dealing with. And, you know, I think I don't think high school sports have changed as much as people might think. But I do think kids may have changed um, with the times. Yeah. And I agree. I think kids have changed with the times. And I think it can be a good thing. I think I think one of the, the reasons why people are always debating this, it seems, is because the mentality 
in terms of sports, I think has changed. Mm -hmm. Kids, of course, are going to change. To your point, they they have a lot more <laughs> technology at their disposal than we ever did. I mean, I'm 46 years old. When I was in high school, there was no such thing as the internet. There mm -hmm. were no smartphones. There weren't even cell phones. So I, it's a completely different world from the one that I grew up in. But I think that when that question gets brought up, I oftentimes think it's people just saying, okay, has the mentality of athletes changed today? Are they more self-absorbed? Is it more about them? Is the team concept gone? What do you say to that? I, I really don't think it is. I think the examples of that are magnified because we all have access to, to those things. And I mean, we know that the, the stories that run are the ones that are, are negative much more than positive. But I, I think just being a teacher, I think all kids crave structure, crave an adult that they can lean on, crave that positive reinforcement. And it might look different now. It might look like a, a Twitter shout out for your practice player of the day rather than that you know personal conversation you used to have. But I think deep down the values haven't changed and it's just how you access them that's a little bit different. And for everyone that's you know craving attention or you know doing it for themselves, I think you have 99% of the other kids in the team that are still bought into the vision of doing things for the right reasons. You know, we had one-on-one -on -one meetings when I got hired so I could meet with every player, you know, individually and really get to know them and talk to them. And every single kid talked about dedication, uh, winning as a team. No one had a, uh, an individual goal. No one had a, I want to score X amount. I want to do X amount. Some kids wanted to make varsity, but that was beyond that. It was just wanting to win games, win a playoff game, win a league title, all team focused things. And that was, unprompted on my end. I just wanted to know what their goal was and they could kind of take it wherever they wanted. So I do think that those values are still there. They just might look a little different. Earlier, we talked about your time in the Mayflower League and the different schemes that you guys see week in and week out, whether it be wing tee, you might see some options, some wishbone, some flex bone, whatever it might be. Uh, philosophically speaking, if we were to watch a Coach Patello team play football, what would we see offensively and defensively? And again, we're not, we don't need to just let it all <laughs> out here, but, but philosophically, what is your view of football? Because I remember in the nineties, right? Like everybody wanted to run the wing tee. If you didn't have a big offensive line, man, I can't keep this thing in my ear today. <laughs> uh, but if you didn't have a big offensive line, if you didn't have a, a fullback and a halfback, you couldn't run the eye. Everybody in the nineties wanted to run the wing tee. Because you can play smaller, you had misdirection, it gave you a chance. Nowadays, I feel like today's version of the wing tee is the spread. So philosophically speaking, where are you at offensively and defensively? So I think if you had asked me that five years ago, I would have told you I'm a spread coach and a spread coach only because that was all I'd ever known. Um, but in coaching in the Mayflower and talking about it, having to adapt your scheme to your talent, when you only have 30 kids, freshman through senior, you don't have a choice when it comes to offensive install. You can't just say, who's the next receiver I got? You might only have two. So right. um, working with Coach Mendes at OC really showed me that it's players first and plays second. And it's really about building your scheme to fit your players' strengths. So in terms of where I'm at offensively, I'm an offensive guy, so I'm, I'm going to talk offense first. Uh, I, I would love to be a spread to run uh, and use an H-back, use a, that sniffer position. Um, and really get some gap schemes in the playbook, get some zone schemes in the playbook, get it all installed and, and see what we do well and, and build off of that. I'm not tied to 
any one scheme. I think that if it was a there was a magic scheme, we'd all run it, and uh, right. football would be pretty boring. So I think well, we're already all undefeated on paper, right? Aren't we all undefeated <laughs> on paper? Exactly. Every yeah. time we put on paper, it looks great. It's just when it translates to humans, that's when it all goes up in smoke. I know. I, I did the passing league, um, you know, playbook the other day, and I had like eighteen pass concepts in there, and I was showing showing to the assistant coaches, and they're like, "I think you got to pare that down a little bit, coach." I was like, I know you gave me a pen and paper. I got, I got too, too excited, too much fun. Yeah. Uh, but, but I really think just catering to what your players do now do well. I mean, I have a, a, an offensive scheme where it has five run concepts, five pass concepts, and then you kind of build from there in whatever direction works for you. And, and you, you play to your strengths and um, you, you know, install piece by piece. And, you know, by Thanksgiving, you got the whole thing in there. And then the next year you take what is going to work again and you get some new stuff in. So you always can kind of adapt and evolve with, with your players. Defensively, I think defense is meant to be fast and physical. I don't want to put in a million and one different schemes. We're going to have a few that we do really, really well, but we're going to go make plays and let the kids get out there and have fun. Every kid I've talked to in my whole coaching career likes defense better because they get to just go and hit people and there's less rules and you just throw them around and, and make tackles. And I think get them excited for that. Get them going to make plays, and you know, you know, just be one gap in, and you know, simple coverages, but play fast and know what your assignment is, and you know, run to the ball and, and make it more of a more of a mentality thing than a scheme thing on defense. Well, and I'm sure for you, it's going to be an adjustment going from Old Colony to Whitman Hanson from the standpoint mm -hmm. that you'll have more numbers, you'll have more depth, you'll be able to do a little bit more. You might not necessarily be more scheme student to scheme specific. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think one of the things that I've always believed is multiplicity and, mm -hmm. and having schemes that you can adjust to your kids. You know, we're not, we're not recruiting four and five star kids here. We're not signing free agents. We got to play with who's in the hallway. And, mm -hmm. and I think that sometimes I get lost on coaches, right? Because they get so hung up on, well, this is my philosophy. Well, you might not have the people to play to that philosophy. So having the ability to be flexible, and it sounds like you're going to be, that's really important. Yeah, Coach Mendes and I at O'Connor, we used to play a game. I'd be in the booth and he'd be on the field. And we'd, how many different ways can we run power? And we would dress it up with, you know, jet motion and orbit motion. And we'd be in eye and then we'd be in spread and we'd be motioning kids in and out of the backfield. And it would all be 226. Like that was what we called it there. And it was how many different ways can we show them power? And get them in different looks because I mean that to me if you, it can be simple to you and complex to them you, you won on on that side of the ball because you got you know we're playing fast and we know our assignments and they're spinning and adjusting and not sure what to do even though it's the same thing over and over. Well, you're a man after my heart because power is my favorite play in football. Mm -hmm. It's always been the first play I've installed as an offensive guy, and you know what when 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 we need a yard or we need two yards or we need to make a play in a in a critical situation, especially a run situation, obviously, we're going to call power. When we want to administer the coup de gras, we're going to call power mm -hmm. in our four-minute offense. So it, it, it's my favorite play in football. So that's music to my ears, my friend. Um, in terms of goals, obviously you're going into your first year. We all know what the base goals are for every coach, every program. But what are your goals for this season? You're getting to know the kids. You're going to get to know them throughout the summer, obviously. But what are your goals for year one? Uh, the, the biggest thing for me is, is I've said this to, to the whole team, especially our seniors, is that I, I want to compete now. 
Um, I, I think sometimes coaches will go into a new program and are more looking to build the foundation for the future. And I get, I want to do that. I want that to be a part of what we do, but I, these seniors and this senior class and knowing that they had, they've had like one real season of varsity football, if even if they even played as sophomores, I think they deserve the absolute best that I and our coaches can bring them. And we're going to compete from day one. And that's, that's the goal is to, to, you know, I've said to all the kids and uh, I think it's important to know that we, we might not match up with well with someone and they, they might get us, but they're going to have to punch us in the mouth to make it happen. We're going to be tough. We're going to be physical and we're going to be ready to compete always. And I think that is going to trickle down to really building what I'm hoping the identity of our football team will be is that we're going to always be tough. We're always going to be physical and teams are going to have to be ready to, you know, to come down to O'Brien field and play with us. Cause I think when you can get that mindset in high school football, you can beat some teams that maybe you're not supposed to be. So based on what you've seen here, final question, what are, what are your expectations player wise? Who are some guys that are coming back that you familiarize yourself with that you think are going to be a big part of your program this year? Yeah, as a whole, I, I couldn't be more impressed with the group coming back, uh, including the rising sophomores who played freshman ball this past year. We've had 30-plus kids at all our lifts, and our lifts are at 6 a.m. in the morning, which was not my doing. I'm not a cruel and unusual punishment coach. I had them scheduled much later, and they asked. They asked to move them up because we got a bunch of kids that landscape and do catering and all kinds of stuff in the summer, and, and they wanted to get their work in and, and not miss anything. So I, I, fine with me, guys. I, I'm up whenever you need. So uh, we've been 30 plus, and I, I couldn't be more impressed with the dedication from this group coming off of a season that, I mean, and, and you know this, coach, it, it was not the most fun football season we're ever going to oh. have. And, to, and and they went through a coaching change immediately afterwards, and they had a big win against Hingham. We're supposed to kind of keep it rolling for one more time, and it got canceled the day of. So they had that dud of an end. No real, you know, banquet or, or fall sports night or anything. So the fact that they're coming in with that kind of energy and that kind of hunger, I, I couldn't be more excited to, to see what this group's going to go. I mean, in terms of, of individual players of who I've gotten to meet and work with, Will Stafford uh, has been named a captain for us, and that was based on the recommendation of literally every single person that's met Will Stafford. Um, they've had nothing but good things to say about him as a person and a player and a student and a leader. Uh, he was on the interview committee that hired me, and, and I was blown away by just how well-spoken and, and you know professional he was in a setting where he was the youngest person in the room. Uh, so he's going to play some tailback for us and, and play in the secondary for us, and I'm really excited to see what he's able to do, especially as a feature back you know this this coming season. And, uh, and our, our right tackle and defensive end, Malcolm Alcorn Crowder, um, is enormous. Uh, he's he's a he's a monster on both sides. Uh, he's getting a lot of significant college interest, um, which is super exciting for him and his family. Uh, and, you know, trying to navigate all that while we get ready for a season is exciting. So those two guys have stood out so far, but really the group of returners just as a whole. I, I, I'm so excited to see what they can all bring to the table and contribute and kind of buy into whatever roles we might have. It's going to be a, it's definitely going to be a fun season with this group. Well, it sounds like you're walking into a good situation there, my friend. It sounds like you've got some good kids that are committed that want to win and, and that are going to buy into your philosophy and, and, and how you think that they should win. And that's ultimately the most important thing. And it sounds to me like your plan is, is a good one. It's in place. And uh, I think that uh, good days are ahead for the Whitman Hanson football program. I appreciate that. No, thank you. I'm very excited to, to be there and in the community and uh, 
thank you for giving me an opportunity to talk about it and uh, kind of you know share that with everyone out there. It's, it's an exciting time for all us football coaches. Well, thank you for taking the time, Coach. I really appreciate it. And uh, as always, let's do this again down the road. Sounds good to me. Uh, we'll be installing power on the same day. So I look forward to <laughs> talking some down blocks. I love it. I love it. Anytime, my friend. Anytime you want to talk ball, I'm, I'm available. Just hit me up or I'll hit you up. All right. Sounds good, Coach. All right. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. All, All right. right. That was Coach Zach Patello, new head football coach at Whitman Hanson. That'll do it for this week's Coaches Chat. Until next week, I'm John Sirenitas. Peace.